The earth is lonely. One can be awestruck by seeing comparisons of the earth to the great red spot of Jupiter, to the flares of our own sun, or even seeing stars, great plasma crucibles that could engulf the entire inner solar system. But all of this is inconsequential to all the empty space in between. The nearest star to the sun is over 40 trillion kilometers away, a distance that would take billions of years to drive a car to. And other stars are inconceivable distances further. In all this oblivion, could there be someone else out there? Well, some think not only that there is, but that they have visited us. As a species, we want to believe. You're listening to Uncertainty Principle, the podcast. From UFO sightings to abductions, human encounters with extraterrestrials have long fascinated, leading to wild speculations and retroactive explanations like the building of the Great Pyramids and myths of divine beings. Should we believe the claims of government cover-ups and secret facilities, or are they all just stories? Should we believe the claims of alien visitations, or not? Alien conspiracies are so numerous and layered, it's impossible to address all of them in one episode. So let's look at some of the more famous ones, and then talk about why aliens have probably never been to Earth. Perhaps the most famous and persistent alien conspiracy theory surrounds the Roswell UFO incident. In the middle of 1947, a man by the name of William Brazel recovered debris of a crashed aircraft on a ranch north of Roswell, New Mexico. He contacted the authorities, and the U.S. Air Force swooped in to recover the debris, later issuing a press release that the debris was from a crashed weather balloon. And that was it. For decades, no one cared about Roswell. Most people didn't even know it had happened at the time. Which, to an extent, is exactly what the military wanted. But not for the reasons conspiracy theorists think. So the event was pretty much forgotten. Until over 30 years later in 1978, when ufologists like Stanton T. Friedman started conducting interviews with people connected to the Roswell story bringing it back into the public eye. Then, in 1980, the first book about the event titled The Roswell Incident was published, sparking a rise in interest in the event over the next couple of decades. The renewed interest and skepticism about the official story led a huge chunk of the population to believe the government was covering up recovery of a crashed alien spacecraft. More books about the event as well as documentaries followed this trend some with added details and increasingly incredible claims like alien bodies being recovered at Roswell by the Air Force. But the way ufologists present the events has a myriad of problems. For one, there isn't even a consistent narrative among believers. All they really seem to agree on is that aliens crash-landed in the desert of New Mexico and the government covered it up with a bogus weather balloon story. Another problem is witnesses. 
Although ufologists claim to have interviewed hundreds of people connected to the events, very few are actually reliable or uncontaminated witnesses, with second and even third-hand accounts of the incident. And even if a witness is first-hand, we have to consider that these interviews are taking place 30-plus years after the fact. That's longer than I've been alive. Memory is a very unreliable record-keeper, especially with time. What we've ended up with is a feedback loop of a narrative, a self-created and self-perpetuating urban myth, stories that feed into each other and pollute their own source material. B.D. Gildenberg addresses the Roswell case in a 2003 issue of Skeptic Magazine, calling it, quote, the world's most famous, most exhaustively investigated, and most thoroughly debunked UFO claim, unquote. This false dichotomy was created, where you either trust the government or you believe in this wildly speculative conspiracy. But it doesn't have to be either one, because in 1994 the government admitted they had been lying to us. The debris was not, it turns out, from a conventional weather balloon, but from a crashed experimental device from Project Mogul. At the time, the military was testing high-altitude balloons that could listen for sounds in the atmosphere indicative of nuclear weapons tests by the Soviet Union. Now, if the government was hiding something about aliens, why even bring it up? Why not stick to the original story? But do UFOs exist? Well, in the strictest terms, yes. People see unidentified flying objects all the time, so much so that the government conducted multiple studies to find out if they were a threat to national security. In 1952, the Air Force began Project Blue Book, which looked at 12,000 UFO sightings, and by the project's conclusion in 1970, the Air Force claimed to have explanations for 95% of the sightings. There appeared to be no need to further continue the investigation. Does that mean that thousands of people were lying? No, most of the time they were simply mistaken, seeing things like strange clouds, shooting stars, or even planets. Venus, for example, is the brightest object in the sky after the sun and moon. Being significantly brighter than any of the stars you can see at night, it's easy to mistake it for a nearby airborne object. Many times, witnesses simply saw a conventional aircraft. Some people may have seen something that wasn't there at all, but that they believed they saw, and that by no means makes them crazy. The brain is a vastly complex but easily fooled computer. As human beings, we are prone to illusion and misconception. Of course, there will always be that minority of people that are simply involved in a hoax. But what about those 701 unexplained sightings in Blue Book? Well, sometimes there just isn't enough information to provide an answer. It's okay to have no explanation for something. When looking at events that only happen once, with no possibility of follow-up, like a random UFO sighting, there will not always be an answer. But just because you don't know what something is, does not mean that it's aliens. Gaps in knowledge are often unsatisfying, and that is the unfortunate reality we live in. But this does not permit us to insert our own unproven explanations. J. Allen Hynek, a scientific advisor to Project Blue Book, 
openly criticized the handling of the study by the Air Force, saying they were too dismissive of some of the more interesting cases. Now, Hynek wasn't a conspiracy theorist, and wasn't necessarily suggesting that these UFO sightings were little green men, but that more scientific rigor needed to be brought to the project. Hynek is very notable for an interesting contribution to UFO studies, the Close Encounters scale. He actually played a role in the production of Steven Spielberg's Close Encounters of the Third Kind, and has an unspoken cameo towards the end of the film. Here's how the scale classifies UFO encounters. First kind, visual confirmation of a UFO, within close enough proximity that the witness can resolve details of the object. Second kind, a sighting accompanied with a physical effect, such as electronic interference, markings on the ground like where it may have landed or taken off, perhaps even physiological or mental effects on an observer. Third kind, a UFO encounter where some animated creature is present, like humans, robots, aliens, or something unknown. These three kinds are Hynek's original scale, and since its publication, there have been four extensions to the scale. Fourth kind is an abduction of a human by a UFO. Fifth kind, direct human-alien communication. Sixth kind, death of an animal or human associated with UFO sighting. But it could be argued this is an extreme case of the second kind of encounter. Finally, and certainly most bizarre, is the seventh kind, the creation of a human-alien hybrid. This one is just crazy, right? Well, there are some ambitious conspiracy theorists that believe such hybrids are already living among us. Perhaps the government is secretly working on these creatures right now, the next step in human evolution. But where could they do this? In what secret facility could such a deep state secret take place? What place but Area 51? Area 51 is a real place, but a closely kept government secret. Search for Area 51 on Google Maps and you won't find it. Just the name of some businesses appropriating the name. Instead, search for Groom Lake and you will find the satellite images of a salt flat in Nevada with a long runway cutting through the dried up lake and a large facility without a label. Also, if you search for Groom Lake, definitely read the Google reviews or you'll be missing out. They're really funny. Area 51 is a top secret Air Force base and something you won't hear the government talk about much. In fact, it wasn't until 2013 that the CAA acknowledged its existence. It's in the middle of nowhere in the Nevada desert, surrounded by mountains, strictly off-limits to civilians, and has a heavily restricted airspace, even to many military aircraft. The borders of Area 51 are designed so that you can't even get a view of the base without trespassing. This extreme secrecy, coupled with many UFO sightings in the surrounding area, leads conspiracy theorists to believe something strange is going on in there. This lack of answers allows the mind to run wild with ideas. Could they be studying crashed alien spacecraft, dissecting Martians, using alien tech to build time travel or warp drive, maybe designing alien hybrid superhumans? The most logical answer seems to be that the government uses the base to build high-tech spy planes and the next generation of aircraft, and it's better to have too much secrecy than too little. We now know post-declassification that the Air Force base at Groom Lake was used for building and testing the U-2 
A-12 and F-117 aircraft, among others, planes that were specifically designed to be secrets. These spy planes had to be built and tested somewhere, and we had a lot of spying to do in the Cold War. And the government seems pretty okay with letting people think Area 51 has something to do with aliens, since Nevada renamed a nearby road to Extraterrestrial Highway. And towns all around that area cash in on the alien hypothesis with shops themed around little green men. But what if we could find an Area 51 whistleblower? Area 51 must hire thousands of people to work there, so somebody had to have spilled the beans. Enter Bob Lazar, a man who claimed to have worked at S-4, a site he says is a few miles south of the Area 51 Air Force Base, on reverse engineering alien technology. He also claims to have knowledge of alien interaction with humans over the last 10,000 years. But even ufologist and believer Stanton Friedman thinks he is a fraud. Lazar claims that he holds degrees from both MIT and Caltech. However, neither of those institutions have any records indicating he attended, let alone graduated. Of course, he claims all evidence of his education was destroyed to call into question his credibility. But with no one to corroborate his story, even his education, why should we believe he holds fundamental secrets about the universe and who we are as a species? In Arthur C. Clarke's book, 2010 Odyssey 2, at the beginning of chapter 34 of Valediction, Clarke writes this about alien believers. Quote, Many critics pointed out that unidentified flying objects had been observed for centuries and that Kenneth Arnold's flying saucer sighting of 1947 had countless precedents. People had been seeing strange things in the sky since the dawn of history, but until the mid-20th century, UFOs were a random phenomenon of no general interest. After that date, they became a matter of public and scientific concern and the basis for what could only be called religious beliefs. The reason was not far to seek. The arrival of the giant rocket and the dawn of the space age had turned men's minds to other worlds. Realization that the human race would soon be able to leave the planet of its birth prompted the inevitable questions. Where is everyone? And when may we expect visitors? There was also the hope, though it was seldom spelled out in as many words, that benevolent creatures from the stars might help mankind heal its numerous self-inflicted wounds and save it from future disasters. Any student of psychology could have predicted that so profound a need would be swiftly satisfied. During the last half of the 20th century, there were literally thousands of reports of spacecraft sightings from every part of the globe. More than that, there were hundreds of reports of close encounters, actual meetings with extraterrestrial visitors, frequently embellished by tales of celestial joyrides, abductions, and even honeymoons in space. The fact that over and over again these were demonstrated to be lies or hallucinations did nothing to deter the faithful. Men who had been shown cities on the far side of the moon lost little credibility even when orbiter surveys and Apollo missions revealed no artifacts of any kind. Ladies who married Venetians were still believed when that planet sadly turned out to be hotter than molten lead." Unquote. Of course, we will never be able to disprove every UFO report and close encounter, but extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. At the moment, no definitive evidence exists of alien visitation to this planet. Maybe on the very off chance they have but the odds are decidedly against it. For one, spacefaring civilizations are probably very uncommon in the galaxy. 
just look how often they come about on this planet. In the 3.5 billion years that life has existed on Earth, only one species evolved the capability of space travel, and we have only been doing that for less than a century. If life that we call intelligent exists in the galaxy, they almost certainly are not nearby. It would take them thousands and thousands of years to reach us, and they would have to run into us by accident. Out of a hundred billion stars, they would have to find us. If they have visited, it is more likely by the sheer vastness of time that they visited sometime in the distant past rather than during the short tenure of human civilization. But the believer might protest. They may say they are visiting us because they see civilization on this planet. They see that we are starting to send spacecraft into the void, making the first steps toward the stars. But for them to know this, they would have to be close enough in the galaxy to see these events with some high-powered telescope or hear radio signals from our space missions. Because of the finite speed of light, they will not learn of our endeavors until long after the fact. We ourselves have still not heard any such radio signals of intelligent origins, despite many years of scanning the skies. Moreover, any civilization that exists in the galaxy will be much more advanced than we are perhaps by tens of thousands, maybe millions of years. It could be that they have no interest in our comparatively petty technological steps. But maybe they have just recently visited us. In 2017, a telescope in Hawaii spotted an object passing through our solar system with such a velocity that it had to have come from interstellar space. They named it Oumuamua, Hawaiian for messenger. It has since left the solar system, forever lost to us. But it remains of scientific interest because it is the first observed interstellar object to enter our solar system. A 2018 paper titled Could Solar Radiation Pressure Explain Oumuamua's Peculiar Acceleration says in passing, quote, alternatively, a more exotic scenario is that Oumuamua may be a fully operational probe sent intentionally to Earth vicinity by an alien civilization." Unquote. So could this cigar-shaped object be a probe sent from the stars to study our solar system? Probably not. Even the authors of this article think so. But if a probe were to visit our solar system, it may look something like Oumuamua. I'm not trying to be a buzzkill, and neither are scientists. I love the idea that aliens are out there, but I don't want to just convince myself they exist. I want to know. And for the moment, it seems we are alone. Are aliens out there? Will we ever meet them? If and when we do, will they invade? Will they send a probe? Will we receive a radio message from a distant planet? Will they make their presence obvious, or will they secretly observe us? Who knows? But don't be turned off by UFO encounter stories. In fact, look into them. Just be careful to recognize the truth from non-truth, because there really are some very strange unsolved cases out there. And even though they probably aren't aliens, I'm sure whatever the answer is, 
that's probably pretty interesting. I'm Daniel James Barker. Keep exploring. If you like this episode, you can support it on Patreon at patreon.com slash uncertaintyprinciple or give a one-time donation through PayPal. I bit off a little bit more than I could chew with this episode, and I'm just one guy doing this in his free time. So if you appreciate all of the hours that go into making these episodes what they are, then please consider supporting the show. It really helps improve the podcast. And if you listen to the show on iTunes, be sure to rate the show because it helps the podcast reach more listeners. Happy Solstice, and thanks for listening.